Hello, Warwick. Hello, listeners. Are you ready? Hello, Nicole. I can't wait for your joke again. And I, I know, know I'm saying that with no authenticity at all. A little bit of enthusiasm would go a long way, Warwick. <laughs> I did go out to dinner last night, which doesn't happen often in my household, but we did go out to dinner. I ordered the duck. Nice. Bill was huge. <sighs> Welcome to the Tradies and Business Podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Boom. There you go, listeners. They just keep getting better. That was an okay one. Come on. It was it was pretty good. I probably ruined your delivery by doing my usual thing of talking over the top of you. And I don't reckon I'm going to have a chance to do that with our guest today. We're just going to get straight <laughs> in. We have, I think um, this is a first here at Traders in Business. We've got a guest on their three-peat today. Mm. Uh, so welcome back again, again to the Traders in Business podcast, Dan from Fergus. G'day, mate. G'day, guys. I love you too. I love being here. <laughs> it's great love fest. You, it's only. This is a great. This is my favourite. I'm. I'm just. Don't open too many doors for me, Dan. I find it hard not to walk through them, mate. If there's puns, <laughs> puns and double entendres. So I'm going to stay away from those as much as possible, and we're going to keep this reasonably professional and talk about something a little different. Um, eventually. Up front, though, Dan, uh, most of our listeners would have heard your episodes previously. Um, I think a bit of an update, maybe. You don't have to share all the gory details about your personal life, but maybe a bit of an update on Dan and especially Fergus. Uh, I think there's been some cool stuff going on. And like every business, um, Fergus is evolving Mm. and adapting and innovating. Um, I think good businesses know that that's part of it. Yeah, so I think we're now the best part of 90 staff now in three countries. Wow. So it's amazing. It's hard to fathom, if that makes sense. Mm, totally. Like you start something, you think you might have three or five people, you might, you know, might that'll be it. Mm. And now she's going and they, they grow faster and slower. It's really hard to explain that. They get easier but slower. Mm. Because the more people you have, the easier it gets to run. Mm. Um, but things just go slower. Uh, COVID was difficult. Uh, all officers, us included, don't know how to get people to come back to the office. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go back to my office. <laughs> and But you can see, which is interesting, people say, you know, there's more productivity working from home. Well, the, the growth rates and the codes and the releases don't show that. Mm. And you're all, you really don't build deep um, cross-functional relationships. Mm. And so there's, all the serendipitous conversations are much harder to happen. Yeah. And so, but how do you start crafting an experience when people come back to work? They want to be here and it's, you know, it's fun, willing, engaging and productive. And so you know, some of the things we're working out and trialing, which is making a really good um, meeting room that's big mm-hmm. and there's a shared lunch and a couple of teams can come together. Mm-hmm. And so it's, there's purpose for that meeting and they want to come because it's good. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to bring those things in. So we, I mean, we don't want people back five days a week either. You don't need you don't need five days a week, but you do need some consistently time in the office, and you force people to interact with each other. <laughs> and we we'll don't talk even, to your coworkers. Yeah, that's an, so that's an ongoing conversation that I don't know. Well, no one knows how to do it well yet. 
Yeah. So that's that's interesting. Um, and I also think one of the one of the huge industries construction faces is there's no work life balance for a tradie. There's no working from home. There's no no, no remote working. There's no working outside hours. It's like well, there's no sunlight. So it's like you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think that will make retention and attraction hard. Mm. So that will, I think that's a real long-term structural problem facing construction is just making it attractive from an, you know, imagine having children and having to do five days on construction. There's no flexibility, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just drop in and out of the the kid's life whilst uh, tapping away on the computer. So there's a whole lot of like, I can see those societal changes are coming. Uh, I can see the recession coming next year is going to be long and deep and scary for a lot of people who've not been through one this, this big. Mm. And we should probably touch on the cash flow and cash management and financial management, right? Because if you don't think it's going to be a big one, you're in for a shock. Mm-hmm. So that's all coming up. Recessions are good for us, generally speaking, because then people have time and look to be more efficient. Yes. And we're not we're not expensive, right? So we're not a big cost. So that's that's good for us in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sound like the Grim Reaper, mate, profiting from uh <laughs> profiting from people's doom. No, people make more money on Fergus. Yes. I really do. And and I think we spoke about this at length um when we had the boom and to some extent that's still carrying on, I think, to the end of this year. More people go bust in a boom than actually make it big. And I think the converse is true when we're going through some tough financial times. Those that are watching their figures, they're back costing regularly, they're well across their financial dashboard, they do well in tough times because they know how to pull on the particular dials to keep squeezing out that bit of profit rather than losing, losing, losing. Yeah, well, growth exceeds profit problem, right? You grow too fast and you're you're reckless. Absolutely. So it was a waste of time. Yeah, classic. Mm. And so you've been focusing on health as always. Um, I think as you've, you know, I would encourage everyone to find something that they really enjoy for exercise. What so do you enjoy, Dan? I don't think we've ever had this conversation. Oh, I've, so no, that's not scripted. No, so I'm a squash player for 20 odd years. Oh, wow. So I do that regularly, twice a week normally. Nice. And then, and then touch rugby in the summer. And so, man, if you ever have any stress <laughs> running around after a ball or whatever's your thing, <laughs> like gym is good, like I gym most days as well. But yep. the endorphins from running around for an hour, oh my gosh, yeah. nothing, nothing is better for the brain than blowing that out right by exercise absolutely <laughs> and doing it part of a team is it's it just it extends i think the benefit being part of a team and and doing it together i i much prefer tackle because it really gets rid of all of that stress <laughs> and sting um ask my poor children in the backyard we used to play football quite regularly but no, I think it's really important that team environment and it probably leans back to what you were saying about the team and trying to bring team back into office. Yeah. I think it's easy to fall into a pattern of um, misunderstanding for businesses where there is an office-based component, um, how important those little relationships are. And I think that's mm-hmm. an advantage for trade businesses. We haven't, we don't have that ability to work from home. So we haven't had that miss out of that I guess, social side of what we do. And then those connections Mm. that we build in our workplace that help get us through challenging times, bring great new ideas, have the ability to increase productivity, et cetera. Um, That has been an advantage, I think, for trade business, but I can see how challenging that must be on an office front, particularly with 90 odd staff. It is really hard to bring them back in. Mm. Yeah, well, it's just, it's, as I touched on before, it's the accidental focus on just what's good for me. Mm. It's like, what's good for me? I want to work from home because that's good for me. Mm. It's like, and so then culturally, you can see how something can just become internally focused. Yes. Yeah. And that's the worry. So making sure we're, we're only focused on delivering outcomes for our tradies because they pay us, right? So mm. making sure everyone's lined up. What do they what do they need from us? Not our employees going, well, this is good for me. Mm, that's right. And so, and so that's culture and values having to be lived and breathed. And so I mean, but then that's for me, that's like the fun part of business, solving that. Mm. 
And I feel like that's a, a riddle that many trade business owners don't solve and they certainly struggle with is creating those connections with their team members, even though they're on site and we hear uh, our, our community talk about the fact that, oh, yeah, I talk to them all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're on site all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's different conversation and, and it's at a different level of personal relationship because it's incidental stuff and it's mostly procedural. Like mm. it's it's what we're doing with this wall frame or this this trench here. And there's lots of instructions and then there's a little bit of chit chat around that yeah. on the site. But it's but it's it's a bit of BS really. There's no proper connection that gets built. Oh, are we going straight there? Culture values. <laughs> right in the deep end it's an episode with you dan we generally just go everywhere yeah we do go everywhere yeah i mean that's my favorite topic well I've got so many favorite topics but willing workers yeah to get people willingly willingly turn up and do the right thing i think we can connect that up with some of the uh with the thread around recession and mm. you know navigating tougher economic times mm. because some of these fundamentals of business that aren't in place now, they're the things that bring people unstuck in those hard times. They don't have the financial stewardship sorted. They don't have the the culture and values strong enough. And mm. and so they they're on shaky ground already, but mm. it gets <clears throat> pardon me, it gets uh covered up by the the well, the economic state of play. You know, there's plenty mm. of work around. So they can yep. actually get away with those um, less stable footings that their business is built on. Yeah. It's funny. The data in Fergus still shows so many traders are not profitable. Busy. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not profitable. So, yes, they've got cash flow papering over all the cracks. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're about to find out there's not enough cash flow. The cracks get a bit bigger, a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all about to come. Or is this too doom and gloom? I think it's important to touch on. I, I think the problem is we're not embracing the reality of what could happen. Mm. And how simple the fix is, because let's be frank, um, yes, it's going to take a lot of work to fix and there are tools to support you. There are people Mm. to support you. You can create yourself a team and some of that team will be people and some will be um, software and and other forms of support that can help you have those conversations and have those views now so that you're creating the change and the better outcome now rather than waiting until you're falling into those cracks. Mm. I mean, do we... (sighs) To just, should I just tell you my opinion on it all? Please do. I think you're going to anyway, Dan. <laughs> so just rip the Band-Aid off, mate. Let's go. Yeah, rip the Band-Aid off. So I was going to, like, you know, for those of you who don't know me that well, I, I definitely prefer to be more a challenger style, right? Mm. <laughs> and I'm much, I, in person, I'm a bit I'm much nicer than I might come across. But I find it's, it's more humorous to be much more confrontational. So, yeah. Thank you for the With a grain of salt, right? Let's yep. poke some people in the chest, mate. Yeah, pretty much. So there's so two things. And like this is born like you guys, right? I talk to thousands of traders over the years, right? Thousands and thousands. And so this current theme I see comes up all the time. And and I call it management by abdication. And what I mean by that is how many trade business owners just want to abdicate that they're the boss and they want to transfer responsibility and blame to their staff, their customers, their partner, everyone else. Yep. So that annoys the heck out of me. (laughs) And the, I remember this great little saying that sums it all up. There's the old fish swimming in the ocean. He swims past two young fish and he says, how's the water, boys? And the young fish swim on a bit longer and then they, one turns the other and goes, what's water? And to you business owners, you are the old fish. You've created your ocean and you've invited the young fish to swim in your ocean. You're responsible for what you've created. 
Mm. And that's it. And so therefore you have to take complete responsibility for the ocean, the environment that you've created, that people are working in, and you can't ever blame them or the customers for the results you're getting. And so therefore, what's the foundation for what the heck do you need to create? And then how do we bring that to life? And so do you want my thoughts on that? Please do, Dan. Don't hold back. Uh, so my thoughts on that is all that matters is cash flow. Mm. Nothing else matters. All I, all I care about is the cash flow coming in that door every day to pay my wages and bills. So how do you achieve that? And I've got a new phrase. <laughs> we love this new phrase. You little saying. All that matters is the emotional outcome of the property owner at completion. And so if you gear your entire thinking to making sure the property owner is in a good place when you've finished, you will have cash flow. Mm. Mm. And so now let's pack, unpack that even more. How do we do that? It's like, okay, that means the next and most important thing is that my tradespeople want to be here and yep. want to know what that looks like and how to and how to deliver that. And what do they need to be in a good place that they've got capacity to deliver that? Mm -hmm. If they're in a place of fear and avoidment because you're going to yell at them, putting undue pressure on them, guess what? It's not going to happen. Mm. And so that's where it begins. So how do you bring that to life? And so I think it's, this is a, well, this is how, you know, well, for those of you who don't know me, in my 20s, I, I burned through two businesses and like have a emotional wreck twice in my 20s because I didn't get this right. But in my 30s, I grew the, my plumbing company from zero to 25 staff, right? In nine years and sold it for a million bucks, right? So I got something right. <laughs> and it was on this foundation, understanding that people wish to avoid pain. Most people are conflict avoidant. Mm-hmm. As they should be. Like, they're, you've employed them to drill holes, pull in pipe and cable, fix stuff. They've not signed up to talk to the customer about price overruns, pricing, <laughs> invoicing, payment schedules. That's not what they want to do. Otherwise, they'd be a boss. Mm -hmm. So many bosses try to blame their staff for not doing all that stuff. And I'm like, that's bullshit. What you can ask your staff to do is to communicate to somebody what's going on. Mm. And so I call it alternative means of communication. And so that communication is you, you must create pathways that they feel safe to communicate in. And so that can be text. And so you say, well, you can text the office, you can text me, you can text the operations manager, or you can call. It doesn't matter. The only thing you can't not do is not communicate. Hmm. And then you make a safe environment for them to communicate. And then you start going, oh, man, but that means I've got to employ an office person. Yeah, employ someone to answer the phone to help people to deliver outcomes to the, to the property owner. Yep. So I have, that, I have a term I use called SAP, which stands for shut up and pay. And trade business owners just need to start employing people to help the business deliver outcomes to the property owners. So you need to start paying an accountant or bookkeeper to do your books for you so you know where you're at. You need to start paying for business coaching. Like just start paying some people to deliver outcomes to the property owner that gives you cash flow, which means you grow your business, which means you make more money. Like it's a really easy cycle. Once you get into it, you're like, oh, this totally works. And so your whole business, your whole thinking is structured around property owner outcomes, which gives you cash flow, which eases your burdens. Mm. And it's really simple once, once you get it. Dan, can I just take us back to something you said earlier, is that the more staff you have, the easier it is to run your business, mm. but things move slower. And mm. I think that's possibly in direct contradiction with what, Certainly, I have heard for many, many years as, as a coach from business owners, they think more staff equals more headaches, more frustration, more problems. And mm. so they actually actively avoid mm. growing and employing more people, which to me seems insane. Uh, well, people are painful, right? Sure. I'm Imagine painful. Imagine employing you. Imagine employing you. I'm, <laughs> I'm a terrible customer too. I mean, imagine employing me. Oh, my gosh. So therefore, somehow it's possible. Mm. 
And so to be more challenging again, <clears throat> I remember when I was like 29, I worked, was talking to a guy um, and they had 120 trade staff in their business. Wow. And I couldn't get past like three or four. <laughs> and I was like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? And he said, well, you just got to manage the business. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean you got to manage the like, What do you mean? And what that actually means is, you, you know, you're not managing people, you're managing processes and policies. And so you know, the reason we move, so it's not people who are trying to pull in the same direction, but it's like we know where we're, where we're pulling from, right? So the foundation of everything, which I've just talked about, is cash flow and, and property owner emotional outcomes. So the reason I love employing people and building teams is so you, you don't tell Warwick what to do. You say, Warwick, the process here is we text the customer an hour before we're going to know we're on time. That's the process. And then when Warwick doesn't follow it, you say, okay, Warwick, tell me what's going on for you that you're not following the process. And you might find out that you've got him an old phone. You might find out he's always out of range. You, you know, you might find out that he's just, you know, always tired in the morning. Like you don't know what you're going to find out till you approach it that way. But if you approach it, Warwick, you didn't do that. You didn't press the freaking button. But, you know, you got to do better. It's like <laughs> that's when it becomes stressful because you're trying to manage people, not processes and policies. Yes. Love and it. so, and what's really annoying when you first start in business and get that is you have to bring a process and policy in for every part of your business. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's all very well saying these things, but I think that's what I like to try and do is tell people, well, how did I do it? Like, mm-hmm. how, how, how do you do this? So once again, I come back to that core principle of SAP, shut up and pay. And in Auckland, we have a site called Student Jobs. It's where university students are looking for part-time work whilst they do mm-hmm. their studies. So I put a job up there that I wanted someone to write our business manual processes and policies. And we had a master's in financial accounting, something apply. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think we're paying them like 22 bucks an hour, 25 bucks. You know, this is, when I was doing 10 or 15 years ago, that was good money for them, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And they would do 15 hours a week. And they would just come and interview us and our staff, write processes and manuals. So they got had that personality and their mindset. They were getting paid well for them. Mm-hmm. And over the 18 months, we cranked it all out, completely changed the business, and away we went. Super easy. And didn't cost bugger all. That's how you do it. Mm. I think it has to be that machine. It has to be, um, we often use McDonald's as the example. And mm. many people struggle to relate. Well, how does McDonald's relate to a trade business? It's the same. If you if you have the machine all you need is people then to manage the machine, run the machine. It's, it is not hard when um, most of my kids worked in fast food as their first jobs. They make it so simple for the kids to do the work. Mm. They guarantee that the outcomes are always the same. It's pretty rare you go to McDonald's and don't get the exact same burger you got five times before. And yeah. that's because those it's about the process. It's not necessarily about the ability of the person doing the job. It's more about the process and how to complete that job. It makes it super simple. So, well, I think the the concept is really simple. It can take some work to do. I don't want to downplay the fears around putting processes in place. And it doesn't have to be you as the business owner doing the work, as you've rightly pointed out, Dan. Well, it shouldn't be the business owner. That's ridiculous. You can earn a hundred bucks an hour out working. Go and go and work. Yeah. Pay pay someone, you know, probably now you might pay 35 bucks an hour mm. as a part-time casual, which is still great money for them. But imagine getting an accountant $130, $180 an hour to do that. Like that's not achievable. Mm. But I don't know really if it's that hard because if you tell that person you get into the business, is all of our policies, this is really this is the most important part, for, everyone should write this bit down. 
you tell that person what we're doing is trying to make process and policies that delivers a property owner positive emotional outcome so they give us cash flow but the foundation of everything we're trying to write and make is how does it always improve that experience mm. to give us cash flow and from that lens it's really easy for them to understand how something needs to work and they talk to the staff and say well What's the system that you will always follow? And that's texting, emailing, SMS, and then the staff are part of the solution. And it's really, it's not that complicated if you frame it up from that lens from the get-go. Yeah. And yeah. you're prepared to pay some money. Yeah. <laughs> and not a lot of money, right? No. It's just, it's not a lot of money if you do it right. It's 15 hours a week over the course of a year. It's not a lot. And you'll find that you'll start employing people immediately. Like, you know, so my plumbing company grew through that 2000, 2011 recession. Mm. Like, crazy and oh i should talk about lean manufacturing principles mm-hmm. um because so that's all very well having the process and policies right mm-hmm. yep. so you can still write all that it still won't work unless you do this next step so you just by doing that you've only given you the opportunity to be successful you won't actually be successful unless you do this next step everyone's now waiting aren't they paying yeah. <laughs> should pat this right out yeah totally milking it for its worth we'll save okay. it the end. <laughs> right so lean manufacturing has a thing called, this is not my term, um, quality control reports to the executive, not to production. Now, what that means in simple words is let's say you're working in a factory that produces a thousand widgets an hour, that's their quota target. The production people will let a thousand widgets go to meet their quota targets to get their bonus. And they'll force quality control to let a few bad items go. And so what happens is some dodgy items go into the market and you affect the brand value and customer experience and you you lose sales over the long term. So lean manufacturing learned quality controls got the right to stop the assembly line and only an executive has the right to restart it after finding out what's going on with quality mm-hmm. because it's better to have less production and higher quality. Mm. So that's the principle that they've learned. And so I was like, okay, how the heck can I bring that principle to life in my construction business? And here's what I did. Once again, I used this, the process of SAP, shut up and pay. I found a mum who had some time between drop-off of kids. Mm-hmm had her come in every morning and she would call every charge up the day before to make sure we were on time, we were friendly, we were reliable and we were happy with the, with the outcome. Cost me like 40 bucks a morning for mm-hmm. to make those calls. And then we, our cash flow, our word of mouth just went through the roof and that's how we grew through that recession. Mm. That one little thing every morning because it did the two things. Well, first of all, the customer actually got a, got a good outcome, right? Yeah. And we had, had a thing that the trader would go in today or first thing the next morning. So within 24 hours, it's actually been resolved. And so the customer's like, oh, wow, amazing. Mm. But the biggest thing it did culturally is the staff knew, oh, shit, this place cares about that value. And they're, they're following it up every single time. Oh, I've got to lift my game because I'm going I'm to get found out. Yes. And that's how you bring process and policy to life through values. And that's how you grow a business. And that's how it's actually quite fun and easy. Mm. And then you have cash flow. Piece of cake. It is a piece of cake. If you follow that little <laughs> formula, you'll go, why was this? Why did I think this was so complicated? Hey, tradies in business, was here. Sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure. I'm joined by Coxie, of course. <laughs> Hello. You may not know this, tradie or tradie wife, or whoever you are listening to this program, but we're business coaches. <laughs> oh my gosh, that feels weird to say. <laughs> but we do actually work with people just like you to solve a bunch of problems. And we have this fantastic program called the Tradiepreneur Program 
And that's how we do it. And we do it with a wonderful community of trade business owners who are all trying to fix or improve or change things to progress. Things like getting behind on quoting, Coxie. Feeling overwhelmed, behind on your invoicing, feeling really stressed or frustrated about the money stuff. Sometimes you can pay the bills, sometimes you can't. What about staff? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, staff. Trying to get them to do what you want them to do, if you can even find them in the first place. Uh, there's so many struggles. And we've seen clients tackle these things in their trade businesses in a quite a short space of time, to be honest, mm-hmm. during the program and recruit staff at a time where everybody was saying you can't get good staff, mm-hmm. improve their quality from their team, collect their debts much more quickly. We have sessions. tips. Yes. Getting tips. Yes. So uh, people rounding up, customers rounding up the invoice by hundreds of dollars Mm -hmm. because they're so happy with the sales process and the experience of dealing with the trade business owner and their team. So some amazing stories from our clients. But, you know, as they say in the the commercials, don't take it from us. Uh, (laughs) Hear what some of our clients have to say. Coming into Christmas, we are not worried about money. We've got enough money in the bank to pay everybody's leave. There's work booked in for the new year. And for the first time in a long time, we'll be having three weeks off and not worrying about the business. That's probably the biggest win of all. Using the cash flow forecast, I've been able to look into the future and see where I'm going to be situated financially. And it's actually started to have a huge bearing on whether or not I make purchases. By far, one of the best things about working with Nick and Woz are the other businesses that are working alongside them. It is amazing how empowering it is to be working alongside like-minded people who have similar goals, similar troubles. We can all relate to each other and everybody helps everybody out by figuring out problems with you that they may have faced previously. Everybody has solutions and constructive feedback and it's an incredibly friendly, warm, welcoming environment, not threatening at all. From every job, I know that I will get a sustainable wage that's industry leading. I can have at least 10 to 20% profit and I can pay taxes, super, all of that. And I do not have to question whether or not I can because of the way that it's been built. And that is thanks to traders and business and what they've taught me and what I've learned. So there you go. There's some real people. We did not pay them to say those things. (laughs) And I think that sounds a lot better than Coxie and I reading them out. We really would love for you to check out more about how you could take your trade business to where you would like it to be. Surely you have a vision of what things could be like or what you wish they were like on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. Um, whether that is reducing stress or actually making more money. Maybe it's spending more time with the family, taking more holidays, having the choice Mm. that you really wanted when you started your business instead of this beast that seems to be there for many of you listening to this program. So if you want to find out more about how we do this through the Tradiepreneur program, Coxie's going to tell you all about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually not. I'm going to be really secretive and uh, keep all of our magic up our sleeves. What I would like you to do, though, is head on over to tradiesandbusiness.com.au. You can learn all about us, why we do what we do, and how you can work with us, what that actually looks like. There's a whole bunch of free stuff there for you to download, uh, lots of options. We've always got new stuff going up onto the website and a great place for you to learn a whole bunch more about how you can work with us. You can even book a 15-minute chat. For free. For free. 
That's how abundant we are. So head over to the website, uh, check it out, book a chat with us, and we'd love to find out if you'd be a great fit for the Tradiepreneur community and start hanging out with some of those people that you just heard from. <laughs> so why do people make it harder than this, Dan? In your experience, you've obviously, as you said, spoken to thousands of tradies over the years. Where does this? Where do people go wrong with this approach? I think it's not explained to them like that. I think it's not explained to them like that. I think they need mentoring. I think most people need to go join people like yourselves and do a three to six month course where this is embedded day in, day out. Because mm. you've heard it now intellectually, but you now have to work out how to how to really make this a discipline that comes to life. It's very hard to do this by yourself. Mm. Because for something to, you know, for something new to come in, the old has to go out. So it's very like I remember in my twenties, um, you know, I literally viewed people as walking wallets. And my job was to get money from their wallet to my wallet, right? Mm-hmm. So just completely, like, just wrong, right? <laughs> because I didn't actually care about it. So when I say I genuinely care about the property owner outcome, I genuinely care about that because I'm so selfish because I know that gives me great cash flow. Yeah. yeah. I'm still selfish. Yeah. I've done it the right way that it works. Yeah. Right? It's just you, you get it right and then you go, huh. And also I think but that's, my, that's my understanding is people just don't think like that because we haven't taught our industry correctly. I look at the airline industry. I mean, they, have it, they just are on safety, but like relentless, right? Because everyone gets, we get this wrong, people die. So safety really matters in this industry. And there's training, 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 training. I mean, how many times, how many, how many podcasts have you listened to where people explain business in that way? Like this is all that matters. Mm. So it's just, it's just not baked into the industry thinking like that. Mm. It's kind of like the one thing for trades and construction probably has and still seems to be the 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 tap that gets fitted, yeah, uh, or the the bricks that get laid, yeah. And I think retail get this, hospitality and tourism get this, and have done for many years that it's it's about customer experience. I mean, software. You know, I mean, this is the the world that you're in, Dan. Yeah. Um, it's about user experience uh, that actually determines more the success of the product than the product itself in some cases. Yeah, so it comes back to that philosophy again with application of management. Yes. And it's unreasonable, in my opinion, to expect most tradespeople, as you say, to lay in bricks all day, you know, who've been under the house, on the roof, and, you know, like, grinding it out to then expect them to put on their clean slippers and have a sit down conversation and go, are you okay property owner? Have I met all your expectations? <laughs> <laughs> it's just bullshit to expect a tradesperson to then put on fluffy gloves. Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of business owners, trade business owners lack those same skills because they were mm. trades people first mm. and yeah. business owners second. Yeah, and And I think where... At least what I see, and and not to be deliberately controversial either, I think too many business owners in the trade space um, don't invest in themselves. They don't sap, as you say, Dan. They're not willing to actually accept that, well, I'm not creating a great experience for my customers. That's why things aren't working. It's, yeah. it's, got no, it's, it's not because my staff are shit and because the economy's tanked and because the government's not doing this or there's a skills shortage or whatever. They're all factors at play in a business. Sure. And all, all businesses have those sorts of challenges, but they're not actually looking at, well, as you say, how can I make my customers feel great and how can I make my staff feel great? Yeah. Because as, as fluffy as that sounds, 2020 
three, wherever we are now, uh, it, it is about feelings and how people feel. I mean, humans are emotional creatures. It's always been about emotions and feeling. Mm. I look at the tradesmen I work to. Oh my gosh, terrible! The things we did, terrible. I could tell you stories that aren't that aren't safe for air. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, that was the culture, and it's inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. And you know, for those who are listening, like I have dug myself a hole so deep in business where life is crushing down and drowning me with paperwork and bills and worry. Mm. Like I have been there. And if you're in that place right now, like I know it's hard. Like I know you like you say, I'm barely alive right now. I can't make these changes. Mm. And if that's where you are right now, it sucks hard. Mm. And if you the best way, if you if you're there right now, the Honestly, the best thing that you, you can do if you can is you actually actually join these guys for help. Like don't don't try and do any more by yourself. It's, the journey's too hard if you're in that place. And it's amazing within like a month how far up you can get with just some support. Mm. So if, if if that's where you are right now, then just you know I'm just going to make you make an offer on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Please do, Dan. Why not? Like I'm sure if someone came to you with a with a with truth like that, you go, okay, we'll make a payment plan to work this out. Always. We've Always, done it right? Before. In yeah. fact, yeah. yes. And so if you're in a tough place, these guys will actually help you. Like I'll help you. Mm. Mm. My help probably not so good because I'm probably not enough soft and fluffy. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're more. But if, that's what, if that's your style, then you know, <laughs> give me a call. It's it's a good point, I think, Dan. Of of uh, and maybe it's the male domination of the industries. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the planets that are aligned or something. I do think a lot of blokes are still stuck with this thing of the shut up and pay requires me to actually seek help and accept mm-hmm. that somebody else might be able to do a better job at that aspect of my business than me, and that means I've got to park my ego somewhat and and believe that that is still leading and that's still yeah, can, being at, at the head, even can, though I'm not doing the thing, you know? I can see that. Yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, I can see that. It's hard to admit to yourself, I don't have the skills required to do this thing. Mm. It's like, a I, I, defeat yeah. or failure for, for people. That's the way they see it. Yeah. If you're in that place, that's such bullshit. I think the opposite is actually true. I think um, yeah. from a business point of view, I don't want to use the term failure because I'm not. Maybe I'm not quite as pokey in the chest as the pair of you are. And mm. um, doing it all yourself is that's not running a business. That's that's not the way it's meant to be. Running a business is meant to be um, about management of processes and systems yeah. that deliver yeah. the outcomes for yeah, you. It's it not is. meant to be about the DIY approach of fixing it all yourself. And yes, it takes some vulnerability to put your hand up and say, okay, can you show me the way? Help me understand. It's not a space that many of us fall into. I think other industries do a better job of helping business owners understand that we're not meant to know all this stuff and we need help Mm. to get where we need to be. We need a team. It's not a simple, we can't fix everything without the support of software, without the support of other team members. There are other people that need to be involved in this journey. You still need an accountant. You still need some legal services. You still need the software then that's going to help get the results that you're looking for, both from your team, but also, 
you can't manage financial performance. Well, you probably could on books, but it, it's going to be so complicated for you. You won't have time. You need that system to help you manage yeah. that financial performance. You need the yeah. system to help you with the mundane part of scheduling the jobs, sending out the text messages, letting people yeah. know what's what's happening, et cetera. That stuff needs to be managed by a system to assist you. Your job isn't to do all of the things. And it's just not something that's broadly understood, I think, in the trades. Full yeah. stop, we're still stuck in that mentality of must do it all myself. I can do must it Must work all. harder. Yeah, definitely. I see that all the time. Must work harder. I've I got to do this. I've got, mm. got to do this. Business like, is complicated. It's really it's complicated. But I, and I, think, I think a lot of you listening to this probably underestimated this when you went into business in the first place. You thought... Cool, I'll get an ABN here in Australia. That's the terminology anyway. I'll, I'll get myself a number with the tax office. I'll get a business name. Yeah. I'll print some business cards at, at Officeworks and I'm in business. I'm a business owner. And all of a sudden, 12 months down the track maybe or whenever it happened, it's like, holy shit, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. And doing all of that on your own yeah. is, it would be like turning up to a football game as one person and trying to play against the All Blacks on your yeah, own. Yeah. yeah. And you like, can't cover all the positions. I think I just want to clarify for those of those you know, who are listening. It's so like I literally had to build Fergus to be able to do this. Mm. Mm. Like I literally had to spend a million dollars of my own money to build a tool to try and manage the business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so everyone, everyone of my age, it was on paper and pen, and we still made it work somehow. Like you do have to trust me, business now is it's possibly it's it's never easy, but my gosh, it was almost impossible back in our day, right? Mm -hmm. It was almost impossible. Like hard to fathom. And mm -hmm. so like, but the tool is just a tool. Like it's not going to work unless you use it well. And I mean, how many, how many people would still remember the four hour work week book? Yes. <laughs> I got so excited when I read that. Oh my gosh. Wasn't it so good? For those of you who don't know what that book was, the guy said, he says, everyone's got like the person is like a dartboard. So you've got a bullseye and a couple of rings around it. And the bullseye is something that you're really good at. And if you spend four hours doing the work you're really good at, it's like doing 40 hours at the stuff you're not good at. And so the principle is you only do the stuff you're really good at because you're basically incompetent at everything else. Mm -hmm. And I'm basically incompetent at everything. Like I have not paid GST or payroll or terminal tax or prop tax since I was 29 years of age. Mm. Never get involved because mm. I suck at it. Yeah. And so I have a, a saying which is it's okay not to know, mm. but it's not okay that it doesn't get done. And so your job as a manager is just to get it done and just pay people to make sure it's done mm. and take all the pressure off your shoulders. So <laughs> we could bounce around here for hours. Well, the other thing I want, the other thing I quickly want to bounce on for tradies mm. is do you think there are, do they think, do you, do you know, I'd love to know how many audience members realize, you know, on average, most trades now charging 80 to 200 bucks an hour, right? On yeah. average. Mm -hmm. Plumbers and sparkies are sticking in a hundred bucks of material an hour on average. Mm-hmm. They should be making forty dollars margin on those materials. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So therefore, most trades should be earning one twenty to one forty an hour. So every hour you're in the office, you're not just losing your hourly rate; you're, you're also losing the margin on material. Mm -hmm. And so, if you like working, get on the tools and work, and then pay people to do the stuff you don't like doing, but you suck at anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's how you fix your business. Mm -hmm. Except they try and do both. Yeah, yeah. they try and do both to try and save money and thinking it's working. Where it's like no. Just go and do another hour, 140 bucks you can earn. That's like three or four hours office work. I don't think they think about themselves in the term of what they are earning or, or what their capacity mm. is within their role. And we talk a lot about high value tasks. There are some high value tasks in business 
that you as the business owner generally can only do to an extent there comes a point in every company where that can then be outsourced as well. Mm. That's the stuff you should be focusing if you're not on the tools, bringing Mm. the money in the door. And as you say, particularly in the early journey of business, Dan, I think it's imperative for you to stay on the tools. You are always going to be more productive than your team. You're always going to have a better outcome. And therefore that's going to free up some cash for you to be paying somebody to do this backend stuff that is very important, but doesn't necessarily need your skill set. Your skill set is far better utilized in the best of your abilities, which generally is being on the tools, at least in those early days. And then I think you can start to tip back the other way. Yeah. Do we send out tissues to our customers in case there's any tears in the audience? <laughs> uh, we need an app for that. Wipes yeah. your for you. <laughs> Sorry, Coxie, you were, you were going to jump in there? I was just going to say I find that um, so much of this is about headspace and if we can start to have, I guess, more organic conversations about the normal lifespan and the growth of a business, we can start to make that awareness come a little bit earlier Unfortunately, many of us don't understand until we're in a, a crisis point or where, you know, so many of our clients unfortunately come to us where they're either running out of money, there's some problems with their cash flow, their relationships are breaking down because they're never home trying to fix yeah. their cash flow, yeah. or they're drowning and having breakdowns because they've reached that point in their business journey where they just simply don't know what else to do. And yeah. all of that could have been, um, I guess, relieved a little, much, much earlier had we've started having these conversations earlier so that they can make change at the appropriate time instead of waiting till it's far, far too late. Because you guys have been doing this a while now, right? Yep. What do you guys see is when they, when people first sign up, I know there's a range, but you know, you get a general rule. What's, what's the trigger point where most people go, man, I need some help. Pain. Yeah, just pain. It's pain. It's pain in one form or another. And there are some exceptions to the rule. Of course we have, um, some young, well-educated business owners that are really keen to do it right the first time. So we're seeing an increasing amount of those, which is very exciting for us because we know we can deliver results really quickly. And still, for the most point, it's uh, it's pain. It's whether, as I said, the relationships are breaking down because um, the tradie's never home to share the load of the family mm. or um, the tradie wife's having to also work a full-time job whilst managing the back end of the business and it's just all falling apart because there's no personal time or it's mm. a financial pain. We get that, to that point where I don't know how I'm going to pay wages for the next three months even though I've got work for the next three months or mm. it doesn't even need to be that extreme. It can just be getting to the end of the week and there's no mm. profit or mm. the accountant's telling them there's profit and they don't know where it's gone. Yeah, it's um, gone. Yeah, very. Or it's they've reached that ultimate real do or die point of I'm having a breakdown. I don't know what to do next. All of this is too consuming Mm -hmm. for me. Where do I go? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, commonly, it's those pain points that really, I guess, start to break down the, maybe it's the ego. Um, And for a large part, it's tough to be vulnerable, particularly for men. We're not taught regularly at a young age to be vulnerable and be okay to be seeking help early. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's interesting. Do you, do you find that most your customers are sort of reluctant to admit that they're where they're really struggling and they try and gloss it over a bit? I think uh, sometimes, yes. Mm. And maybe we work mostly with couples. We do have mm. some um, sole operators who are in a partnership where the you know the wife doesn't have anything to do with it or, or the partner doesn't have anything to do with it at all. That's pretty mm. rare. Um, I think by the time they come to us, they're they're almost sheepishly um, recognizing that they need to talk to us, mm. even if reluctantly. 
Um, but I think up until that point, you're absolutely right, Dan. It's they they don't feel comfortable to mm. do that yet, and so they will continue to struggle on uh, and try and do it all themselves mm. and try and fix it because they're good at fixing things. So mm. they'll just keep trying to fix it until it's broke. And sometimes that's you know past the point, which mm. I think the three of us here on this episode it it, it is worth restating that the three of us have. Mm. Lost everything, you know, mm-hmm. respectively, yeah. <laughs> multiple times yeah. before we actually figured it out as well. So this is not coming from a place of self righteousness. No, it's no. actually from uh, you know having experienced this ourselves. It's like, mm-hmm. man, I wish I'd figured it out the first time, not the third oh. time. <laughs> oh, the struggle street. Oh, yes, come on, never again. I suppose the other thing, be curious to ask you. I haven't touched on this. The other thing that I've done is I've always had someone who's detail orientated as a business partner. Mm. So not always paid always, or, you know, because I know I do not enjoy doing annual processes, do not enjoy it. Mm. I'm amazing at making sure it gets done, but I've always had a person, business partner, and like, you want to say business partner, like just paying someone to basically run the business and they've got a personality that likes being detail focused. Mm -hmm. And I make sure there's, so I don't know if people heard the term clear the path. So mm-hmm. your job as business owner is always to make sure the money is there and you, and you clear obstacles out of the way so things can be done. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's right. And so I've always seen it primarily my role is to make sure there's always money available. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to make sure there's work available mm-hmm. and then to make sure the work is done in a way that the homeowners have a good outcome and they pay. Mm. That's right. And so my role has always been around getting work mm. and then making sure someone makes sure it all, it all happens in the background. And do you see that all the successful businesses always have that two people? Yeah. Hmm. That's certainly the starting point. Uh, yeah. And, and fortunately for many of, of our tradiepreneurs within our program, the wives are often that detail-oriented yeah. person. And uh, Coxie and I talk about removing excuses. Hmm. Uh, you know, for, for employers, they need to have a focus on removing excuses for employees so that there's no excuse for things not to be done the way they're supposed to be done. You, we can't say, oh, but there wasn't the tool or, oh, but you didn't tell me how to do it or we couldn't yeah. afford to buy the materials or whatever, right? So we take yeah. away excuses and then people can just follow the system. Mm. Yes. Um, I, I think uh, I, I just wanted to grab hold of something you said there as well, Dan, about bringing the work in and anecdotally just looking back over years of working with trade business owners, mm. and I'd be keen on Coxie's perspective on this as well, I feel like predominantly – the 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 business owner is the best person to talk mm. to the customers in in eight out of ten cases. Oh yeah, and they're the best at bringing in the work. They're the best at building the relationships, at explaining things to customers. Yeah, and yet one of the first things many business owners say is, "Can I get someone to do the sales and stuff?" Mm. Yeah, so that I can just get on top of these invoices or these quotes or whatever. And it's one of the the worst things to outsource is the customer relationship side of things. That's my opinion anyway. Mm. That's, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm a hustler now. <laughs> like I'm hustling. So we did sales training mm-hmm. and we learned how to sell. And that was another apprenticeship. Mm. So I went from hating selling, like avoiding it, always justifying why I'm not selling. As you say, invoicing, mate, I, I was great <laughs> at self-justifying. <laughs> But then I got training on how sales actually works. So if you're listening, write this down. Another little nugget. When you're selling, the purpose of every meeting is to get, a next, is to get the next meeting. 
mm. and take all the pressure off actually trying to land anything. And just by just by virtue of meeting someone and having a conversation, make it about them, make sure you get another meeting, just by doing that three, four, five times, you'll eventually end up with work from them or one of their mates. Mm. It's kind of like dating, isn't it? If you kind of dating. Dates, I mean, eventually I mean, they give up and just say yes. Like, you know, so we've joined the Mates and Mentors Network and the um, Fergus Network, right? Mm-hmm. And it automatically pairs you up with some random people you ever, ever talk to them. Oh, my gosh. The conversations you have always end up being so interesting. Yeah. And you always learn something from everybody. So, like, I was talking to the the, the APAC partnership manager. Like, it's not important. We don't sell into Asia Pacific. But, oh, my gosh, what? how much did I learn from that? Mm. So even if you took anyone out, you just joined a Mates and Mentors Network and you took someone out, I don't know, they might be into food management. I don't know. It doesn't matter. People are so interesting. Mm. And just having a conversation, you'll suddenly find they know someone who knows someone who could be interested in having a conversation with them. And they've got a golf course that they want some literal work done, whatever. It's incredible how someone knows someone. And you just you just got to set yourself out sort of, you know, one day a week to go and have conversations with people. Mm. With, and just be curious to see where it goes. And then you get better at honing down and you find a property manager you want to hook into or an industrial place you want to hook into. And just by virtue of being in relationship with someone, Someone will stuff up, and there's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Someone right. won't do. Someone won't do shutdown, and you'll say, "Yeah, I'll do shutdown." And they've known you over time. You've taken them out for five coffees, had lunch, been curious. They trust you. And they'll let down. It was an opportunity, and then you're in. That's right. That's, it's a long game, yeah. and that's telling. That's yeah. all you have to do to sell. You stick around long enough, maybe the All Blacks will stuff up, <laughs> and someone else might have a shot. <laughs> I don't know if my life is that long. <laughs> None of us are going to live long enough for that, I don't think. Well, I mean, that could lead into the high-performance team business model, but yeah. I didn't want to be that challenging to put more load on our on people who are listening who are trying to get up. But it's, it's, it's about playing the long game and, and mm. being in the game in the game for long enough, doing the, the moves. You know, it might not feel like there's an instant win there, uh, but some of this stuff is. And, you know, the, we talked about coaching earlier. You raised that as well, Dan. It's it's no different to joining the Tradepreneur program or even using software like Fergus. You know, you don't install Fergus and four weeks later you're uh, sitting in the Bahamas because business is booming. It's a it's a tool that's part of a longer game in creating success. Should I should I try and sell Fergus? Do a plug. Well, I was, I was actually going to throw a challenge out to you, Dan. At some point, we do need to press stop on the recording for this episode. Ah. Uh, and I was going to throw a challenge out there, mate, if mm-hmm. you're up for it. Yeah, always. Is to do the executive summary of our, our three-way chat today and deliver the the knockout blow for our listeners at the back end of this episode. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> it's up for any challenge. It's the pitch. It. This is yeah. the pitch, Dan. You love a pitch. You want it now? Yep. Let's go. Okay, so all that, all that matters in, in, is cash flow in a business. Mm-hmm. To achieve that, you need to deliver property owner outcomes to do cash flow. Fergus helps you to, to deliver that. And so Fergus is based on the gross margin principle that you always know how much money you're making. Mm-hmm. We changed the industry for you guys because we pioneered bringing those supplier documents straight from the supplier into Fergus. We pioneered bringing the time entries from mobile device straight onto the job for back costing, timesheets, invoicing, no data entry. You know, on average, people will do 20 invoices an hour and three, so one every three minutes. So we pioneered cash flow, gross margin, and property owner outcomes so you can grow your business. It's a good pitch. Where do I sign? <laughs> sign up to these guys. 
don't do it alone. <laughs> like I would rather you sign up to these guys and they helped you get the most out of Ferguson Zero and do it well from the start, get the foundations right. Mm. Mm. Mate, in, th- in three months, you, you, you'd be humming. Do it by yourself. We see the data. Nine to 12 months, you'll, you'll sort of, and you're only maybe 30% there. Mm. Mm. Like it's, un- the, like, you know, sometimes things are incrementally better. And so when people have business coaching, it's literally 90 days. The, the gap is just like from like 12, 18 months down to 90 days. It's staggering. Mm. It is a phenomenal difference, isn't it? By, by, you know, it's not, what we talk about isn't hard. It's quite simple. There is work. It, sh- it should never be ignored that there is work to be done. And I guess the biggest advantage is doing that in a supported way with the insider knowledge to get there as quickly as possible, which you're rightly pointing out. Um, with the best tools available. It, it's not, as we referenced earlier, it's not a solo journey. It's not something that you do. Just one business coach is not going to deliver the outcomes for you. No. That, that is part of your team. It, it's part of all of the things that you require to run a really successful business. And I think um, finding partners or, or team members that complement each other well is the key to the, the, well, the timing of the outcome, I suppose. If you want it quickly, you want it fast, then it needs to come with that work, but it needs to come with the right kind of support in a complementary way. Well, I would challenge you a little bit. Please do. I am, I am happy for trade owners to abdicate the work if they employ the principle of SAP. Mm. <laughs> they open pay. They just pay someone to do the stuff they don't want to do mm. whilst they're on the tools working. Absolutely. You can, you can abdicate all the stuff you don't like. It's fine. Mm. Just shut up and pay someone to do it. Yeah. And you'll be fine. Which is work in itself. It's either psychological work to reach that decision. Exactly. Or doing the work with the customers and staying on the tools and doing the 140 bucks an hour you were talking about before. So either way, there's freaking work involved. Either way, there's work (laughs) to do what you enjoy. And most people like me, I'd rather be on the tools working. Yeah. And so it's great. You get to do both. You get to abdicate responsibility, which is great. You get to the work you like and the business still grows. 100%. There you go. There you go. So... Recession, who cares? Um, staff dramas, who cares? Yep. Uh, boom, bust, it doesn't matter, gang. If you just get Fergus and join the Tradiepreneur program, you're sorted. I can actually <laughs> hand on heart, as long as you add in there, as long as you truly focus on property owner outcomes, yeah. you will glide through this recession. Mm. Yeah. People will want to be even more happy than they were before. It's more important than ever. That's more important than ever. It's the yep. only way to get through a recession. Yep. Make people happy. I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, um, we are going to wrap up and give our listeners ears a chance to, uh, <laughs> to There's a lot stop of digestive smoking. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let the brain catch up. Mate, pleasure as always. Love our chats. I love how uh, deep we go into some of these topics and, uh, and you know, probably um, not just create some fluffy episode that's going to fill a slot in our show. So really appreciate your time, mate, and mm, uh, excited you. to hear about some of the new things you've been working on. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, mate, I love that Fergus is still growing and developing and and looking at, you know, how can you do that thing, deliver deliver those outcomes to people. So thank you. Thanks, Dan. Well, if, you, if that's real, you'll invite me back a fourth time in the new year. <laughs> I don't think we could have you on the show too many times, mate. Oh, I love it. There's a lot that comments. we haven't said yet. Yeah, we still get comments from people about, uh, oh, episode with Dan, that Fergus guy. Yeah. <laughs> so you can you can never leave, mate. You have to always be oh. Dan the Fergus man. 
That's good. That's good. Well, I hope we have to go to our customers from this one. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.